You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Yankees reporter, Brian Hoke. We continue to talk about the roster, and we're going to get into the infield a little bit on the podcast this week, go around the horn. But before we get to that, Brian, uh, the Yankees celebrating their first maybe annual, I'm assuming annual, winter warm-up this week. A lot of players were in New York City, um, veterans and some of the young guys, uh, even prospects who haven't even made it up to the big leagues yet. Um, It it took place over a number of days with the players getting to a lot of different locations, and I know you were along for the ride for for a lot of it. Um, How did it all play out being the first one of these for the Yankees? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I I think it actually might wind up being an annual thing. yeah, you know, it's a good opportunity for the Yankees to get these young kids that you mentioned up to New York and have them meet the fans and get a feel for the city. And, um, you know, it was my first opportunity to actually get some time to talk with guys like Clint Frazier and Gleyber Torres and Chance Adams and uh, Justice Sheffield. And, and these names that you've been hearing about, because the Yankees are obviously in the middle of a transition here where they're trying to get some of that young talent to the big leagues. And, you know, the Yankees never needed to have a, a winter caravan to – teach Alex Rodriguez or Derek Jeter what New York was all about. But uh, this is a different phase for the franchise, and I, th- I think it's fun. I, I think that the, uh, the players enjoyed it, the public enjoyed it, and guys like Gary Sanchez getting behind the, uh, the counter and at a deli across the street from Yankee Stadium. Uh, it's, it's cool photo ops. It's good experience, and uh, they get to spend some quality time with their teammates. So I think it's all positive. Um, I, I could definitely see the Yankees wanting to do more of that in the future. Yeah, and it gets people thinking about baseball with less than a month to go before pitchers and catchers report down to Tampa. Um, let's get into the infield a little bit. We'll go around the horn. There's veterans there. There's also, um, you know, some of that youth will certainly be a part of this infield as well. Let's start at the hot corner and work our way around. Chase Headley, another solid season in 2016. This is a guy who's been kind of the same guy throughout his career. He's consistent. He was that way in San Diego, and he's been that way <laughs> since he came across to the Yankees. Um, is he just the solid guy you can count on for at least 140 games at third base this year going into 2017? Well, I think health-wise, as long as his back holds up, he, you should probably be able to pencil that in. But the, the real thing for Chase is he needs to get off to a better start. Uh, his April was brutal. Uh, he didn't have an extra base hit for the entire month. But then if you go back and look at the numbers from about the time of his birthday, which I believe is May 9th, uh, through the end of the year, he was he was pretty decent. Um, I, I believe he hit about 270 and showed some power. The defense was much better. He worked hard on that to, uh, to improve after he committed a career high in errors the year before. So I, I think that it was a frustrating year for Headley, particularly because he felt he was hurting the team in April. And if you go back and look, the Yankees wound up with 84 wins. And if they win a few more games in April, you can say, hey, maybe they're a wildcard team. So I think that uh, he wasn't happy with the year as a whole. He, he thought he played better from May on, but uh, he's going to look to put together a uh, more complete season in 2017. When you move over to shortstop, D.D. Gregorius put together the most solid season of his career and, and showed the power. Uh, 20 home runs for D.D. Um, that's a career high. Um, if there's one thing that that maybe he has to work on, the, the on-base percentage is, is 304 for 2000. Uh, 16. It's never been real high for for Didi within his career, um, but he really seemed comfortable as a Yankee in 2016. Yeah, I think he kind of came into his own. Yeah, before you're taking over for Derek Jeter, and 
there were a lot of those questions. And even though he said it didn't really play in his mind a whole lot, um, you're, you're kind of competing with a ghost there. So I think to get that first year under the belt, uh, you come back. And, and really where I saw the biggest improvement was against left-handed pitching. I, I think that uh, that was a concern when he came to the Yankees. They were even talking about maybe having to platoon him with Brendan Ryan as a lefty-righty thing. Um, that turned out not to be the case. Um, D.D. had, I believe, the third highest average against left-handed pitching in the major leagues for any left-handed hitter uh, this year. So, and, and, you know, talking to Alan Cockrell, the hitting coach, yesterday, he believes these uh, changes can carry over. He believes this can be a consistent thing going into 2017. So I think you're seeing the athletic talent catch up with the ability right now. Um, he, he's putting it all together, and uh, let's – yeah, he, he's a line drive hitter. He's a gap-to-gap guy. But if he hits it hard enough, the ball's going to go out of the ballpark a little bit. Uh, he was rewarded 20 times with that, 21, I believe. So, uh, no, uh, if the Yankees can get another year like that out of Didi Gregorius, he'll be very happy. Is he going to end up spending some time looking over his shoulder a little bit after the addition of Gleyber Torres and, and the expectations of what kind of player he can be? Um, as a middle infielder, is D.D. as comfortable as he looked last year and the fact that he kind of made that shortstop position his, suddenly this new kid is is in the organization and is maybe nipping on your heels a little bit? You know, that question's been asked a bunch. You know, I do the mailbags every week. And I, I think that D.D.'s pretty locked in at short. Um, he's obviously aware of Torres, as he was aware of Jorge Mateo. Um, but these are names that are coming up through the minor league system. For, so for for 2017, I, I think it's obviously Didi, and I think going forward, there's no guarantee that uh, Torres has to come to the major league level as a shortstop. I think that you could create a vacancy just easily at second base or third base to, if you really want to get that bat in the lineup. So uh, I, I think that for the time being, Didi feels pretty secure at shortstop. Certainly every time I've talked to him, uh, it, that hasn't been an issue. And uh, you know, going forward, maybe uh, there's going to be a, a spot in the, uh, in the infield, but it doesn't necessarily have to be shortstop for, uh, for Torres. And third base is an interesting point because of everything you said about Headley. And obviously Headley, uh, a little older than these other guys as well. All right, second base, you got 20 home runs from D.D. Gregorius at shortstop, and you get over 20 home runs from Starlin Castro at second base. This Yankee team actually had the, some pop up the middle that you don't always see. Now for Castro, it was kind of that power that I think everybody always <laughs> anticipated would kind of come for him. I remember when the Yankees traded for Castro and he came over, I did an interview with Jim Duquette about it, and he said in that interview a few years ago, there's a guy who's going to hit 20, 25 home runs per season once he kind of figures that part of it out, and it seemed like 2016 was, was the beginning of that power, um, and, and this it's an exciting middle of the infield for this Yankees team. Yeah, it's something the Yankees have, believe it or not, they've never had a second baseman and shortstop combination to both hit 20 or more home runs in a single season. You think back to some of the, the great names in Yankee history, obviously Jeter, but they've also had Robbie Cano and Alfonso Soriano. And, I mean, you can go back to Tony Lazari and Joe Gordon. It, it has never happened. So I, I think that was a pretty crazy uh, statistical fluke. With, with Castro, he was streaky last year. I mean, you remember he, uh, he got off to a great start. He had eight RBIs in his first three games. And everybody said if he, if he keeps up at this pace, he's going to have 250 RBIs. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. But uh, I think that – the most drastic thing with Castro was the home road splits. If you go back and look, he hit over 300 at Yankee Stadium. Uh, 15 of his home runs came there in 70-something games. And he played about the same number of games on the road, and the numbers dropped precipitously. So I think that uh, Castro, his best months were April and August, if you go back and look. But 
when he was cold, he was really cold. So I think that uh, putting together a more consistent year will be big for Stalin Castro. And uh, Cubs people have talked about that for years. So I think that uh, maybe that's what he is. Maybe he's just the kind of guy that when he gets hot, he can carry the team. But uh, they, they certainly like to have more highs than lows. And then we finish off the infield at first base, which is, I guess, the biggest question mark as you head into 2017. Tyler Austin obviously made his debut Late in 2016, Greg Bird, what a great start to his career in 2015, but then the injury, and he misses all of last season. So if you, you have the two young guys. Um, how does this play out, Brian? I mean, who's going to be the first baseman on opening day? Yeah, my guess is, you know, based on the ability alone, I would say Bird, but uh, you, you go back and you're, you're thinking now, health-wise, uh, that's probably the only thing that can trip up Greg Bird. He looked fine when he came in the Arizona Fall League, uh, he only DH, didn't play any first base just for health reasons, but he's coming off a shoulder procedure, and uh, so they might take it a little slow with him, but they say the swing looks about the same as it did in 2015. He obviously came up late in the year, hit 11 home runs, and really helped that team down the stretch when Mark Bashir was hurt. So it's going to be a new face no matter what. Uh, it, it's hard to believe that eight years went by with Bashir so quickly. It really feels like it, uh, it flew by, but they got a World Series win out of it, a couple of playoff appearances, and now it's time for somebody else to take over at first base, and uh, you know, it's possible it could be a lefty-righty platoon. You can have Bird against right-handed pitching and Austin against lefties, but no, there's no guarantee there. I, I think that uh, if Bird comes in and has the kind of camp he's capable of, he could be the everyday first baseman. And, and if not, Tyler Austin might force his way onto the roster. So I, I think that uh, they, they've created some options there. Um, but I think either way they go, I think Bird would be the preference, but Austin could handle a job as well. Considering Austin is obviously still developing and a young player, if he's not going to get regular playing time, is he more likely to start the year in AAA as opposed to being a bench guy where you're limiting his at-bats? That would be my thought, yeah. And, and the, the Yankees are going to bring in some depth guys. They, they signed Choi, who was with the Angels last year, and uh, he didn't do much. But, uh, you know, this is a guy, who, veteran guy who can come in and maybe serve off the bench as a backup. Certainly not something anybody should get too excited about, but I think that uh, if the Yankees have Greg Bird in the majors and Tyler Austin waiting at AAA, or vice versa, I guess they could go that way, um, I think that that would be a good situation for them. Then when you look at this bench, where does Rob Snyder fit into this roster at this point? Um, you know, he's tried different things and mixed results, I guess, at this point. What is the team's viewpoint of him heading into 2017? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think that uh, if he was going to be a starting player, it would be in right field, but I, I don't see that happening with the Yankees. Uh, I, I think that his best case to make it in New York is to continue working on that versatility. I feel like people have almost forgotten about him a little bit because um, you've heard about all these other prospects that are coming up. But uh, this is a guy, the bat was there two years ago, not so much last year. He didn't hit for a whole lot of power, but I think he can force his way onto the roster if he proves he's capable at second base, first base, third base. Um, third base didn't go very well for him last year, but that would be a really nice thing to put in the skill set. He could play both of the outfield corners. Um, they, they have Ronald Torres, who's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, but Russ Snyder could be a valuable piece for the Yankees. I, I think that if he wound up on the roster, there would be a way to get him at bat. Uh, it's just, you know, will that opportunity present itself? 
This has been MLB.com Extras, our Yankees edition. We'll continue to dig into different parts of the roster as we get closer and closer to spring training. But for Brian Hoke, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.